When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 58 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast. And for those of you watching on YouTube for the very first time, welcome to the first part of what we've what we've termed the South American Revolution in terms of this podcast and this particular episode. It's certainly something which is a little bit different for ourselves as we've gone down the video route for the very first time. And I'm delighted to say for this episode and for our first video of all time, we've been joined by South American football journalist and in particular Colombian football expert, Simon Edwards. Simon, how are you, mate? Yeah, very well, thanks. Thanks for the invitation. No problem at all. And just, just so everyone knows, you are actually at the moment in Colombia. You are based over there. Uh, how are things going over there at this moment in time? Yeah, I'm based here in Medellin, so um, you know the lockdown has been tough, but we're looking forward to some relaxation of things and football returning in the in the coming weeks. So it's been a long it's been, been a long six months, but it looks like things are starting to get better over here. Most definitely, and we said off air, didn't we? We're probably a little bit ahead over in the in the UK in terms of things being reopened and uh, things like that and, and how much we, we appreciate obviously things maybe a little bit more now that we've we've got the current situation going on uh, but w- without further ado uh, as I said at the start South American football expert Everton seems to be linked very very heavily to a couple of South Americans and we're going to touch on a third as well in the second part but the main two being Alan and uh, James Rodriguez so we're going to use the, the first part if we if we may to discuss Alan. Um, I've just been having a quick check of the, the usual Twitter. People have started tracking planes and helicopters as we speak. Um, very strong rumours. It was on, on all the outlets that the fee has been agreed. The final thing that which has just been agreed has been the agent fees. The, the president of Napoli has just confirmed he's going to be coming to Everton. So all the stars are aligning and it seems that Alan will be an Everton player in the in the coming days, um, what what are your thoughts on on Alan Simon? Because you know Everton really struggled in in centre midfield last season. We brought in Jean Philippe Gabamin, who unfortunately got injured after a couple of games and hasn't been seen on the pitch for the Blues since. We obviously Morgan Snyderland's now gone. Um, we we've sort of got Fabian Dell, who hasn't really been seen particularly very much. Gomez, Tom Davis have been really the two. Sigurdsson dropping in. What what will what will Alan bring to Everton that we so desperately need? Yeah, I think it's a, a very very significant upgrade on what you've had. Obviously, those players at different points have had you know good good times in their career, but I think Alan has been very consistent. Um, he's a player who, as you say, covers a lot of ground, works hard, wins possession, but is also very very good in the ball. I mean, his pass numbers we're talking eighty five ninety percent pass completion. He's a very consistent passer. He makes a, a good number of tackles. Can also make quite a few, I mean, 16, 17, we're talking at least one key pass per game leading to a goal. 
So he's been, he's a player who is very effective at winning possession. He's a complete midfielder. You can sit him a little bit deeper to protect the defence and, and move the ball forward. Or he can also break into the, you know, the edge of the attacking third. He's not a great goal scoring threat. He's not going to be putting up 10 goals a season, but he'll pop up with the occasional goal here and there. And he'll definitely, um, you know, provide a lot of support in terms of ball winning uh, and then full progression as well. So I think he's a very, very complete midfielder. I think he's well suited to the Premier League. He's strong. He's been involved with the Brazil squad what, nine, ten times over the last couple of years as well. So he's a, he's a very complete player. He's not a typical Brazilian defensive midfielder in that I think his passing ability is, is better than many of the deep-lying Brazilian players. Most of them are, are destroyers. With Alan, you're talking about a player who, who wins the ball very well, but is also very complete and very tidy on the ball. So I can't see any, any real drawbacks to this signing. Um, a very smart, industrious, tidy, technical player who should knit things together, I think, in your midfield. Yeah, I mean, one thing that we've missed massively was when we sold the Chisagana Gay to, to PSG, he was always that that ball winner. You know, maybe not probably the, the best technically on the ball, but he was the one who would break up play, bring other players in. And probably more importantly from us, he, he could recover. His, his recovery was, was very, very good. Is that something that we can expect? You mentioned there, obviously, Alan winning the ball back is very, very good. Can we expect him to be able to recover, get back, break up play, and then... More, you know, really important for ourselves as well is bringing someone like Jose Gomez, who's a very, very technically good player, but he's struggled as well because he doesn't seem to have had that kind of partner alongside him in the midfield. Yeah, I don't think he's um, as such an obvious athlete as Idrissa Gay. Idrissa Gay obviously stands out particularly for his athleticism and his, his ability, as you say, to recover. Uh, Alan obviously has a good engine, covers a lot of ground during, during play, wins the ball well. I think um, I would say the difference is perhaps Alan has slightly better anticipation, um, whereas Ezra Sergei's perhaps got the, the slight edge in terms of athleticism. Um, but I, I would say the, the way Alan is better, the area in which Alan is better is his use of the ball. Um, he's more likely to play those progressive passes than I'd say Ezra Sergei. But both fulfil the, the role of enabling those around them, which I think is what Everton perhaps needs. You know, the, the players you've mentioned in there before, previous seasons, they're all OK. But in terms of someone who will win the ball, will, will uh, bring others into play, will play it simple. But then also, I think with Alan, you have the potential for the occasional incisive through ball from deep or, you know, clipping something over the back for some of the, the pacey wide men Everton have had over the last season or so. So I think I think you're going to get the same um, defensive contribution. I think the characteristics are slightly different. Uh, whereas Idris Agay would have been covering, running around three or four players trying to win the ball back. I think Alan's more likely to uh, see the danger earlier and cut that out. I think his, his interceptions in particular are very good. He loves the tackle as well. So I think it's going to provide a lot of balance. He's someone I think Everton desperately needed. Everton were linked when they were, were, were selling Idris Agay with Wilma Barrios, a, a Colombian player who I'm a huge, huge fan of. I think that's a big miss not to get him. But Alan is is someone who who can fulfil that role and, and is filling a gap. I think have been quite clear for Everton over the last season. Yeah, and th- there's been a lot of talk as well. I mean, it's it's great to hear you speak about him because obviously the the things that you're highlighting, as we've said, are things that we have been missing. And I've seen footage of him celebrate celebrate and making a tackle as well, things like that. And that's the kind of thing which mm. Everton fans absolutely thrive off and love. They love a player like that who shows full commitment, 
you know, celebrating tackles like they scored a goal. That, that you know, once we were all back at, uh, at Goodison Park, the place would erupt if you started doing things like that. To be honest, but there's been a little bit of um, I've seen a, quite a few people mention about his age. You know, he's 20, 29 years of age. Um, do we think he's at the peak of his powers now? Do we think he's on the on the decline? Um, or you know, what what's the script there? Because so many people now seem to be hung up on this. He hasn't got any kind of sell-on value and things like that. Do we think that he's going to offer enough to the side at the age of 29 years? Yeah, you know, I think we saw his best football uh, 2016, 2017 into 2018. So it's not like he peaked 10 years ago and now you're getting him, you know, he's still a player who's at a very good level. And he's a player I think has matured across his career. Um, If he was playing this well as a 21-year-old, with all due respect, he wouldn't be going to Everton. <laughs> um, and you wouldn't be getting him for, what, 25 million, which in today's market, coronavirus obviously has had an impact, but it's not a huge outlay for one of the better midfielders in the Italian league. You know, So um, I think there are a lot of factors, um, but a Premier League team is always going to have to play a premium. And um, given how consistent he has been over the last few years, and given the fact as well that you know he wasn't the same player at, um, as he, you know, as he is today, when he was 21, 22, he's a player who's matured. Um, in terms of resale value, of course, it's going to be difficult to recoup that. But to be honest, if he does it in the Premier League for two seasons, um, 25 million, you could you could get that back in two seasons' time. It's not a huge outlay, really, uh, all things considered. So I think, um, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not a project Everton have. They're they're buying the finished article. Um, at this stage, but I think he's going to be uh, the best player in Everton. If if they get Hammers, who we'll talk about, maybe then there's competition. But you're buying your best player for 25 million, who's still in his 20s. I think uh, I think that's that's good business, really. Yeah, you mentioned there about us not being a project. It's it's really funny because what what the club have been trying to sell for maybe the last couple of years, really, maybe a bit more since Farhad Mashiri came in, is that we're a project. We want to go from where we are. So up there, and unfortunately, you know, we we brought in a high-profile manager in terms of naming Ronald Koeman came in, didn't do particularly well. We had then the unfortunate uh, time with Sam Allardyce, which didn't go down particularly well with uh, with Everton fans. Marco Silva comes in. We thought we had we had high hopes for him in terms of obviously his age and upcoming coach didn't work. Obviously, then Big Dunk took over the reins for a short period of time before obviously Carlo Ancelotti then then comes in and. It's always been pushing this agenda of we are a project. And Marcel Brand has always said he looks for players, you know, in and around a certain age category, maybe 20, 22 to 25, 26. So players who can kick on and improve, have that sell on value. Um, whereas what we're seeing in this window, you mentioned there, Alan's 29 years of age. You've, you've got players who've been linked with in regards to Rodriguez, another one who's late 20s again. The core age 27 from Watford, another player we've been linked with. So this talk of project seems to have gone away a little bit. And Carlo Ancelotti, this is how it appears, Carlo Ancelotti seems to be getting his way and saying, listen, we, we've got probably a decent nucleus of young players at Everton in regards to your, your Richarlison, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Mason Holgate. We've got Luca Dean, who's a little bit older, but very, very good, good left-back. So in terms of our youth, We've probably got a nucleus of good young players. We need to now buy quality because we need to try and make the club kick on quicker um, than it would do if we didn't. 
Yeah, I think if you look, I, you know, I mean, you look at some of the players Everton have brought in over the last couple of season, seasons, uh, Walcott, Schneiderlin, these aren't players who are young with high potential. These are players who have been edged out by Everton's rivals. These are players who are no longer wanted by the teams Everton aspire to overtake or to compete with. So I think I think this there's a difference, I think, with this series of transfers because these are players, there's no risk involved in signing Alan. I, I can't really see any risk. You're signing one of the better players in City A for the last three or four years. Obviously, he doesn't come with Premier League experience. But when you're buying some of these Premier League 28-, 29-year-olds who have gone out of favour, I mean, obviously there's less of a risk, but you know what you're getting. You know where the ceiling is. Whereas if you're signing someone who's done very well in, in Serie A, and we'll talk about a few other players as well, um, you're talking about a different quality of player for a similar price as well. I think you've paid perhaps too much for some of these players who um, who you know what you're going to get at best. And I think at times they've fallen below that standard. So I think um, this this seems like a much more uh, positive step. You're, you're buying better players for a similar price and at times one or two years younger. Um, so... I do see a, a real progression in terms of the acquisitions this summer as opposed to previous years. Because, you know, Morgan Schneiderlin, fine, he's solid, but you know what you're getting. Um, and, and that's been the same for six or seven, I think, of Everton's signings over the last couple of years. Yeah, and and I think the fans would, would echo that. And there's been a lot of, lot of talk about the financial restraints that we, we could have in this window. And I'm not quite sure what's going on in regards to why all of a sudden we can spend this money, whether there's, there's there's a few sales in the pipeline, which has got to happen. You know, we've got some big wage earners. You've spoken there, obviously, Snyderland's gone. Walcott earns, earns decent money. You've got, you got Cheng Tossen, who's been in, he doesn't really play. Yannick Balassi, who's still on the wage uh, the wage bill. Sandro Ramirez, another one, who's earning £100,000 a week. He's played about 13 games for the club. You know, th- things like that. And we, you know, we just haven't got it right in in you know the last maybe four, five, six transfer windows, and that's why we we are where we are. But before we we do sort of wrap up this this part, and we go on to to discuss obviously the the Colombians who've been um, linked with the club as well. What do you, how important do you think Carlo Ancelotti has been in this deal for Alan? Because obviously. If Carlo wasn't there, he's working in Monopoly, obviously, close relationship. If he wasn't at the club, do you think it would have even happened? No, I think I think he's huge in all of this. Um, and I, we'll talk about Hammers and maybe even more so with Hammers. But I think in both cases, it's, it's very, very important to have a manager. You know, Everton is a team people know around the world. It's a team that has history, a, people to, a team that people like. But it's not... Uh, there's very few... South American players dreaming of playing for Everton. Um, so it's part of the process. You can say Richarlison's there, Brazilian international, that obviously has a factor as well. Um, it, it draws attention to the club in, in Brazil. Um, Links with James as well, again, shows that it's a club with uh, big aspirations. And then having a manager, uh, one of the most successful managers in European football, is all part of the, 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 the offer that Everton can put forward. Um, so I think that's huge. And I just think in terms of a transformative signing, uh, for me, I mean, obviously a lot of attention has been on Everton at the defence and, and you know, conceding silly goals and being a bit exposed defensively. But I think um, with the attacking fullbacks Everton like to play, those in front, the defence midfield, is so, so important to provide the protection and to provide balance. And so for me, um, that is the area where Everton can see the biggest improvement. Um, I think that they need more goals in attack and, and the, the defence needs to be a bit more organised. But if you can 
um, provide that support, provide that balance, provide a little bit more control in front, giving those passing options. I think the number of times I've seen Everton going long out of the back um, is too many. Uh, I think Alan provides an, a solution there. He's very happy to receive the ball under pressure. He's very confident um, and he'll help you guys progress the ball forward as well as provide a good defensive cover in front. So for me, that is the one position. And you've mentioned um, bringing the guy in from Watford as well. Um, that is, I think, how Everton can move forward and become more consistent because they have great games and they have terrible games. And I think by um, shoring up and making that midfield a bit more solid, a bit more consistent, uh, I think you'll see the biggest impact on the side. Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be really interesting to see, obviously, how that develops. As I said, you know, it's pretty much nailed on. Fee agreed, agent uh, compensation agreed. We, we all seem to be too good to go. So I, I fully expect Alan to, to be tied up um, in the next the next few days and announced by the club. But definitely something to, to watch next season um, if we can tie him down and see what else we do in the transfer window and see how, how we, he positively impacts the, the side. But I'm for one looking forward to it. I think it's it's a really good progressive transfer for the club and something which we, we massively need. And I'm sure most Evertonians would agree with that. But Simon, appreciate your thoughts on, on Alan there. For all those um, watching on YouTube, stick around and uh, catch up with part two of the South American Revolution, where we're going to go on and discuss James Rodriguez and Santiago Arias. For those of you listening on the podcast, we'll be back after this short break. Spot on that, mate. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. So we got we'll go into your into your bread and butter now then, which is the uh, yeah. the Colombian Colombian side, which is which is really good. Um I think the Ayas wanna be really, really well received as well because there's been quite a bit of talk about right backs and obviously with Seamus Coleman being the age that he is. Um we had Sidibi there last season as well, as as sort of he came in and went out and came in and went out. He's gone back to to Monaco. John Joe Kenny's come back from loan at Schalke. Um we're not sure whether he's going to be kept on or not, but assuming Arias comes in, I'm assuming that the, any kind of fee for John Joe Kenny will go towards that that transfer. But that, that good mix, yeah. But whenever you're ready, we can we can come in for the second cool. part if you're good. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, so um, with with Arias, uh, we'll, we'll talk about a second. But it, basically, I think he's very similar to Luca Dean in terms of his uh, his style of play. So it's a good balance, I think. You have a similar yeah. Because kind of at, at the moment, Col- Coleman. So if if you if you look at us. When he, he wants Luca Dean to go, so he wants Luca Dean to attack on the left hand side. But Coleman will always sit in as a three, so the the, the two centre halves become a three. Whereas, like you say, to, to provide maybe a bit more balance, you want someone on the other side. You can do exactly the same as as Luca Dean does. So that'll be that'll be interesting. Um, but whenever you're ready, I'll intros again, and we're good to go. Welcome back to the Unholy Trinity podcast. And for those of you watching on YouTube, this is the second part of the South American Revolution with our South American football journalist and, and Columbia expert, Simon Edwards. And we're, we're going to move on and discuss, first of all, a player that we're now strongly linked with. Again, the, the planes and helicopters are being tracked again for this player. 
Where is he? There's rumours he's in England already. Um, and that is James Rodriguez from Real Madrid. Obviously a massive name in the world of football. Someone who, who's been in the spotlight for many, many years now has played for, for top clubs around Europe as well. And he's been linked strongly, as I say, and the rumours are that there could be a deal done almost with, with Everton for him, whether it's on loan or payment, we're not quite sure. But, Sam, if I bring you in there, how exciting is it for, you, for yourself to see Hammers come potentially to the Premier League? Yeah, no, for me, this is this is great. Um, it's, you know, I've been asked, where do I want to see Hammers go? What about Atletico Madrid? What about PSG? What about all these different clubs? And I've always said, for me, Hammers is best when he is, you know, the best player in a good team as opposed to a good player in the best team. And, you know, I think that undervalues his contribution as well, slightly given the fact that he's averaged a goal or an assist per 90 since 2013. So while his minutes and importance at Real Madrid has declined, his contribution has never been in doubt. Now, there's been injuries here and there, whatever, but you look at the contribution he's made when he's on the pitch, every 90 minutes, he's either scored a goal or created an assist. Uh, and you compare that to what Everton have at the moment. I mean, the top assisting midfielder was Sigurdsson with three uh, and Bernard with three goals as well. Hammers is... Hammers has never got that that lower number in either category. You know, we're talking 12, 13 goals, 10 assists. And obviously, Hammers is playing a, a teams that are dominant. So there's a question there. But it's huge. And I think in terms of the impact this has for Everton, I mean, um, Everton already have Jerry Mina, who's very popular in Colombia. But Hammers is, is a real superstar. People love Jerry Mina. But Hammers, everyone knows. Everyone's grandma knows who Hammers is. Everyone's grandma loves Hammers Rodriguez. Um, so I think you're signing a player with elite quality. Um, there have been questions about his attitude, and we can talk about all those potential issues. But you're signing one of the most consistently creative uh, attacking midfielders in Europe. So I think lots of reasons to be excited. Most definitely. I mean, when his name first came up around about the the January transfer window, obviously it's an easy link to make, I suppose, with with Carlo Ancelotti, um, having having worked with him before. Um, but to, to hear that kind of quality name linked to the club and you think, how, how can we do it? You know, he, he's on a lot of money at Real Madrid. They're gonna I know he's in in the last year of his contract now, but they they're gonna want obviously some kind of fee. Talk then came up of a loan deal potentially, uh, with a view to a payment at the end at the end of the season. Um but it's he's definitely a name which has got all Evertonians talking and and you think back, we mentioned before we recorded about the goals that you know we scored at the 2014 World Cup, and that's what probably sits very heavily in Everton fans' memories because obviously global football tournaments heavily televised. That's what you remember about that particular player. But but what do you think in terms of the quality? You mentioned he's obviously he's got elite qualities. Where do you think he fits into that Everton side at the moment? Where where would he play? Do you think? Would he be given a free role potentially? What What do you think uh, would be his position in the in a Carlo Ancelotti Everton side? Yeah, I think the, the the most important thing is that he has freedom and has importance in the team. I mean, people look at the 2014 World Cup and think you know it was something in isolation, but at every level he's played up until that, he was the best player in the league. So in Colombia, 15, 16, he's playing for the first team. He kept, was the best player at the Pony Football Tournament when he was you know, an under 14s tournament when he was 11 was the best young player in Colombia, went to Argentina, won the league with Banfield, 
a team I imagine most people here wouldn't have heard of. You know, River play uh, Boca Juniors, but but a little club called Banfield. He was a star man as a 18 year old and won the league there. Went to Porto, was a star. Went to Monaco and had ridiculous numbers. Uh, as I say, you know, that was in terms of goals and assists was an incredible season. Then had the World Cup. Then went back to Real Madrid and was um, had the best numbers in terms of assists in the in the entire entire team. Um, with goals were incredible. So I, I think that narrative that he's just a, a one tournament guy and, and, you know, what a tournament. The top goal scorer in a team that got knocked out in the quarterfinals is, is crazy. Uh, and he was the best player in that tournament. Messi is the greatest of all time, but that tournament belonged to James Rodriguez. So, I, you know, that's all the positives. In terms of system, um, he has played to the left of a 4-4-2 before. He played deeper for Bayern Munich. I think... Um, that isn't really his ideal position. Ideally, you want him with freedom to go and pick up the ball wherever he wants, to, to do whatever he wants, have the freedom to get forward in an attack. You know, he'll score goals. His free kick delivery is incredible. Uh, you know, with, with Jelly Mina, if, if Hammers can find Jelly Mina's head uh, or get it in the right area, Jelly Mina will clear out three or four defenders and, <laughs> and, uh, and get a good chance on goal. So set-piece delivery is one to, to definitely watch. Um, but yeah, ideally, ideally he'd play behind either, for example, a four-four-two diamond in behind a couple of strikers, or you play him um, as a support striker in a four-four-two, or maybe a four-two-three-one, and you play him in in the hole with two wide wingers and a, and a striker. You basically want enough people behind him so he doesn't have to waste his time defending because he's not great at defending. He'll he'll put in an effort and he's. He's passionate and he gets he gets fired up and he and he wants to take responsibility. I think that's the main thing with Hammers. He takes responsibility for the game, which again is why it's so important that he's the main man. If you're playing, if he's the seventh, eighth, ninth player on the the team sheet, then he's playing a supplementary role. Then he's enabling others, which isn't what you want. You don't want him passing to somebody else to play the final pass or get the shot on goal. You want him to be the guy receiving the ball in dangerous areas. So while I can see him playing on the left of a 4-4-2, he won't provide a lot of defensive protection. Um, I can see he has played deeper centrally. Again, you, you, ideally you want two players behind him covering him, particularly if you're playing attacking fullbacks. So for me, ideally he's a 10. Uh, you can play him cutting in from a, a wide area in a 4-3-3. He, won't, he, he, he tries very few dribbles. Like he, He's got skill, we can beat a man, but... He's not the kind of player to get his head down and beat a man on the outside and whipping across. He will never do that. He doesn't try it. You want him to get on the ball. You want him to play the incisive passes and get his shots off and goal. But he can do a lot, but you, you want to give him a lot of freedom to, to play his best football. Yeah, and that's going to be intriguing to see where, you know, obviously he does stand on the dotted line, where he does fit into that side. Because naturally, obviously... Uh, a player who's bought as a number 10, nowhere near the same kind of ability as, as Hammers, but Guffy Sigurdsson, after, um, obviously, when he was brought in, he was he was brought in for a particular system to play as a number 10. When, obviously, that manager goes and a new manager comes in and other managers since then, you know, systems have changed and he doesn't particularly fit in to the system because he's a number 10 and we don't particularly play a number 10. So, it'll be interesting to see what Carlo does in that respect and where he does play him, uh, within our system. Very much, there's been a, we've had a little bit of a chat ourselves, the old lads on the podcast about maybe having a, a bit of a diamond, see if he fits in there. Like you say, he could he could play just behind the front man as well. But very, very much my impression of, of Hamez is yeah, you know, give him give him a free role, let him 
almost do what he wants because his, his defensive capabilities are not are not the strongest part of his game. But that's where, like we said in part one, where having players behind him like Alan, like uh, Decore, people like that who can win the ball, break up play, and obviously um, bring other players in. That's where that's where he could he could fit in. Um, but it's something, as I said, it's 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 something which has really captured the imagination of of Everton fans. And I think I think fans of the Premier League, you know, to they sort of stood up and thought, "Hang on, what, what's happening?" And Everton here getting linked with obviously players of that kind of calibre. Um, there's hope there that he can obviously recapture the form that he's shown over a number of years. We know obviously he's been a little bit thrown out by Real Madrid, but like you've touched on, his numbers numbers speak for him, himself really. And he's a player I think who uh, Richard Allison maybe especially could could really really work where work well with. Like you say, set pieces. You know we've got a a, a good set piece taking Luca Dean uh, with his left foot, having someone else like like Rodriguez as well in the round three kicks corners can only be be a positive and like you said then you know big big Yeri Mina coming steaming in corners free kicks off a Rodriguez uh, ball would, would be fantastic but it's something which, which I'm hopefully going to see and looking forward to but what, what I want to touch on with, with Hammers is off the pitch how important is that is the profile because we, we look at obviously you know we're in an, an age now where social media is so important you look at his Instagram followers, you look at his Twitter followers, he, he's, he's into tens of millions on, on each, which is incredible numbers. How important is that for Everton to, to tap into that side of things and really raise the profile of the club? Yeah, it's obviously huge. Um, Hammers is up amongst the very elite. When you talk about South American players, you've got Neymar in Brazil, you know, you've got Suarez, Cavani in, in Uruguay. Uh, Messi in Argentina and James in Colombia. In terms of his profile, he is head and shoulders above now. There's Cuadrado, there's other players who've had a big impact, Falcao. But James is huge. In terms of marketing, you know, he's a, an attractive guy, a lot of followers, female followers, male followers. He's going to sell shirts. You know, I think I, I would expect Everton to sell more shirts this year than they have in decades, perhaps ever. Um, particularly if he gets a good start couple of goals here and there. Now, everyone in Colombia is going to be wearing an Everton Hammers shirt. I don't know how much money that's going to go into Everton <laughs> because a lot of them come from downtown or from China and they're knockoffs. So you won't see a huge amount of that money. Um, but overall, Hammers Rodriguez sells shirts. Wherever he's been, he's sold shirts. Uh, you get him in that number 10 shirt. You, uh, you, you build the club's image around him. Um, and it's huge. Um, and if he's only played since... Arriving in Europe, he's only played for the biggest team in each league. You know, he's played for for Porto. Obviously, Monaco was a little slight step down, step down. But then we're talking Real Madrid, we're talking Bayern Munich. So even having a player of this profile and this ability and this quality associated with Everton makes Everton a bigger club. You know, this this signing puts Everton in a different bracket in terms of marketing, in terms of international awareness. You know, James Rodriguez. You know, there are there are people who've never heard of Everton in Colombia who will now be turning on their TVs to watch Everton play. Because they've got Hammers, they've got Jerry, they've maybe got Santiarias. So I think it brings a lot of legitimacy to the project. It brings a lot of prestige. It potentially brings a lot of lot more money as well. Um, because, you know, he's still a huge, a huge name. To be the best player at a World Cup is something very, very few players in history are going to be able to say. So while we'll have to wait and see if he can reach those incredible levels, 
Um, I will point to just the numbers again. You know, it's insane. You know, people consider his time at Bayern a failure. Well, if he's getting 0.6 goals a game is a failure, then you know, that'll, that'll do. That's his worst ever season in Europe is twice as good as Gilfie Sigerson's in terms of numbers. So, yeah. I mean, it's a big upgrade. Of, of course, of course. And, and you know, the, the numbers, like you said, they do speak for themselves. And, and let's hope he can sign like, those, those numbers too to the Premier League and, and I, I really hope you know we get this deal over the line and, and he can he can do that. Uh, before we do move on to obviously another Colombian player we, we, we've been linked with, I ask you the same question about uh, Alan. How important is Carlo Ancelotti in getting this deal done? Yeah, I think it's vital. I, I don't think Hammers joins Everton if Carlo Ancelotti is not there. I mean, it's it's I mean just in terms of the salary reduction, we're talking 40-45% reduction in salary to go to somewhere now, again, one of the concerns you can say with Hammers is he didn't really like living in Germany. Um, didn't like the cold. He also said that the, the people were quite cold. He didn't really connect with the, the society. So my advice to Everton is be really, really nice to him. <laughs> really nice to him. I don't, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't think there'll be any issue there in regards to the fans being be nice. Some, you know, the, one thing I think that I know we, we do, we kind of times, you know, we, we are can be seen quite as quite a uh, critical fan base in a sense. And that's because we want the best for our club. We, we've gone so long without winning the trophy and, and it's something which hangs around our neck really, really heavily. And But what, one thing I'd like to say, Yeri Mina, he's been, you know, so well received. Now, bear in mind, there's had quite a few injuries since he signed for the club. But as a character himself as well, he's a warm character and fans take take to that and you see it on the pitch you know if a player gives their all listen the, the, the fans will fall on but would you make no mistake about that Alan exactly the same said to you before if he throw, throws a tackle in and starts celebrating a tackle the ground will erupt and, and we fall in love with that and I, I, I don't see any issue at all with fans not giving Hammers Rodriguez the full back and I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that he will uh, forget about any kind of cold winters in this country, just because the, the the fans will be will be backing them all the way, and as I said, to you, if you can bring those numbers to the Premier League that he's shown all around Europe, then it's it's going to be a fantastic deal for for Everton Football Club, that's for sure. Yeah, um, I, would, I would just say as well, um, while while Hammers isn't going to be flying into tackles, um, one thing that will be evident, and I and I think will be very clear, how much he cares about winning football matches. Like he's, you know, you see it for Colombia where he's important, where he takes ownership. He he prides himself, and and he's a he's a player who has high expectations for himself, believes he's very good, uh, and uh, you know has great great deal of confidence. But he hates losing, and he's a player who, if the team's losing, will go and get the ball and will make something happen. So I think while you won't expect one of those uh, Jenny Mina shoulder tackles into the third row um, with uh, with Hammers, what you'll get is a player who cares deeply about the result. Uh, and if the team's playing badly, he will be suffering with the fans. Like he will be desperate to make that make that difference. And that's again why I think while he's done well at these huge clubs, I think he's a player who's well suited to taking a, a slight step down. And being the main man and taking ownership and taking responsibility, Hammers will see himself as as carrying this Everton team. He'll see himself as responsible for this Everton team, at this project, uh, and he'll be given the assurances by Ancelotti that he's a key man. So you'll see Hammers desperate, as desperate as anyone in the Everton Everton stadium, to win and to show that his value is there because he's taken some knocks. You know, people 
in Colombia have given him some digs. Like, why are you staying at Real Madrid when you're not wanted? Get out of there. You know, we we everyone in Colombia was blaming Zidane, and the the narrative has slightly changed to blame Hamid you know, in the last couple of years. Um, so I think I think you'll see a very motivated Hammers. Um, he won't be chasing back 50 yards to win the ball in defence, but when Everton have the ball, he will be desperate to get on it and make a difference. So it's going to be a really exciting uh, project and it'll be exciting to see how it happens. But uh, I don't think any Everton fans will doubt his commitment um, because he won't accept uh, failure uh, from this Everton side. Yeah, and and if the fans see that, then as I said before, the, the fans will be totally on board because one thing that really gets to us is is not not seeing players who, who care enough. And you know, so when we, you know, we, we had a real real shot of getting into into Europe uh, last season when we came back after lockdown. Obviously, we had nine games to do it, and we started okay, but you know, we we just tailed off, and no one seems to care about it. You know, as fans, we're sitting there watching the games and thinking, you know. Put in ten percent more effort, there, and we win the game, and we weren't seeing that, and that's something which really annoys us Everton fans. So if we can see that kind of commitment and that kind of love for winning the game of football, then as I say, that the fans will absolutely fall in love with them. And and as I say, it's it, it could be a, a real a real fantastic partnership with with Hammers Rodriguez and, and Everton Football Club. Um, but if, if we can, we, before we, we we do wrap up, we we had a quick chat yesterday, and um, th- there's been a little bit of talk about obviously Everton getting in some some right-back, whether it's cover or someone to come in and, and maybe replace Seamus Coleman at, at right-back. Um, and the talk has been around a little bit, uh, Arias, another Colombian, um, and whether we can potentially bring him in. Now, Seamus Coleman obviously getting on a little bit now. He is one of the, one of the club captains. Um, John Joe Kenny's come back from loan from Schalke. There's a bit of talk about whether we might sell him and any money we get in for John Joe Kenny then goes towards the replacements. Uh, Gabriel Sadibi has gone back to Monaco from his loan last season as well. So it's an area that we, we'd we said before the season ended, we need to probably look at that because if Kenny's not deemed as good enough, um, then we need to really look at someone that we could come in and potentially take over from Seamus Coleman. But what, what's the talk in Colombia about this deal? Yeah, there's there's been a lot of uh, positive signs in terms of this being completed. Um, the the latest news today is that Atletico Madrid are happy to let him go for for the type of money offered, thirteen million, uh, more or less. Um, and uh, Arias is interested in the idea. Um, it does look. I mean, the sense in Colombia is that is that it's going to happen. Um, I've seen reports similar in the UK. So, I think for the money, I mean, he's a he's a natural right back. You know, Sidibe would cost a similar amount and had maybe slightly mixed results there in Everton. So you're getting a very natural right back who I think balances very well off against Lucadinha. He's a he's an attacking right back, but he's not one who flies forward uncontrollably. He he likes to get forward. He crosses very well. He's got good pace. Um, gets up and down. Good athleticism. I think if Everton can reinforce in front of the back four and uh, allow their fullbacks to push on. Is the same as the way Lidia does. I think he offers a lot of a lot of balance on the on the right hand side. Again, he's um so he's at Let's Call Madrid at the moment. He's in competition with uh, Kieran Trippier uh, at, at right back. Um, initially, he was the preferred option over the season. They kind of shifted a little bit more towards Trippier. Before he went to Let's Call Madrid, he was the the best player in the the Dutch league. Um, he's been 55 caps for Colombia. He's been mostly a regular. Um, in the last Copa America, they brought in. 
uh, Stefan Medina, who's a, who's a good centre back. Stefan Medina is a converted central defender. So I think the switch towards uh, Stefan Medina is uh, an attempt to be more conservative defensively for Colombia. So I think it's more tactical than in terms of reflection of the ability of the, the respective players. Um, yeah, no, Arias, I mean, he's an experienced player. Both, with both Hammers and Arias, you're getting two very level-headed, you know, family men, serious guys with children. They're, they're not, they're not Tino Asprea. You know, you're, you're getting some very sensible, educated, you know, uh, you know, stable, very serious um, Colombian internationals. Um, so I think I think Arias is a, is a very smart signing. He's not particularly strong in the air. He's not particularly conservative. So I think you're going to get a lot of the same strengths and weaknesses as you get with Luca Dean. You know, a, a good attacking fullback who's solid, who's above average for kind of a wing back defensively. He, he's good. He wins the ball well. He's tenacious. He's good in 1v1 situations. Um, and he'll also get forward and, and provide a good option um, on the right hand side. So for me, for the price, you're getting a bargain um, if you can get this Adias deal over the line. Yeah. It's, it's another one, isn't it, where, you know, we're, we're talking about Carlo Ancelotti trying to put his stamp on the, on the side. Now, really, his, his face proper. Arias is a pleasure unknown to the Premier League. That's one where, you know, speaking, speaking, cut it at the club. I think he did well at Schalke last season. Um, and, you know, Schalke didn't have a particularly great season, but they, he got good, good reports in terms of how he played. Um, but I think we will look to, to cash in and, and freshen things up there because Arias has played there and Schlossi sees that, that, can, that will fit into his just bonding there. Is providing that balance. So you've got someone on the right who's very similar to Luca Dina on the left hand side, and straight away, if you bring in uh, Alan Decore, you've got you've got midfielders there who can cover your full backs if they want to they want to push on. Um, so let's hope that deal can come across. But do, do you think it's important? You know, if if Hamez does sign, and obviously we've got Yeri Mina already at the club, do you think that's going to be an important thing for Arias to think? Well, I've got a couple of of uh, friends there who. Where I've known for a number of years, and and that might influence his decision to come and sign for the club. Yeah, he's as I say, his his personality is similar to Hammers. Hammers is a bit more flashy. Hammers, uh, you know, is is into the media stuff, whereas Arias is much more low key. Um, has been married since early twenties. You know, very very serious guy. Uh, been in a relationship since he was a child as well. So you know, he's very stable. Um, and I think yeah, I think they're they're very good friends, Hammers and Santiago Arias. So again, I think Hamez moving or having expressing a desire to move to Everton um, also will influence uh, Arias's decision. Um, but I mean, you're getting a, a regular international right back for one of the top 20 national teams in the world. So um, yeah, you know, I, I can't really see any problem. The price is good. He's spent seven years in playing in top European sides, PSV, Atletico Madrid. So you're, you're looking at a player who knows the European game, has played in, in physical physical games, high importance games. And uh, you know, if he's uh, if he's good good enough for Diego Simeone to want to sign, then you know he's pretty solid defensively and his attitude's there as well. So yeah, I, I you know I think it's a very sensible signing. I think Hamas is exciting, but I think Adias will 
will be at least a 7 out of 10 pretty much every game. So he'll also pop up with the occasional assist. You know, his assist numbers are good. You know, you can get 6-7 assists comparable to something like Luca Dini on the other side. So it also gives Everton the option if they wanted to play a diamond, it will, it will give them width on both flanks as well from fullback. So it does give them perhaps some more tactical uh, options and uh, it allows them to maybe switch up if they want to play more centrally. They wouldn't need to rely on the, the wingers providing the width. They can have good balance either side, a couple of defence midfielders in front of the, the, back, the back four, a couple of fullbacks flying forward, and then it frees up Hammers and, and some good attacking options. So, yeah, I think uh, it's exciting times overall for Everton at the moment. Yeah, and it, it you know it's exciting for ourselves as fans to see, and, and if, if we do mind to get these three deals that we've discussed over a couple of videos, and obviously on on the on the podcast as well, it's really going to give it a massive South American feel to to Everton. With obviously those three, you've obviously obviously got Yeri Mina, Richarlison, Bernard. You know, it's going to be a, a, a club which is which is full of, of that kind of uh, that South American flavour, which which is excellent. You know, and. And it's something which really excites us as fans to to see us linked with with these kind of names and and see what Carlo Ancelotti can do with with that quality as well. You know, uh, let's just hope that we can get back inside Goodison Park and see them see them live sooner rather than later. Because um, I'm sure there'll be there'll be plenty of of uh, excellent performances uh, from from all those three. We can if we can get them over the line. Uh, but Simon. I really appreciate your time today. Um, we had a discussion earlier about how, how strict lockdown is in, is in Colombia compared to to the UK. So I'm sure it was something which was uh, good for you to fill you fill an hour of your day today, speaking speaking to ourselves. Well, I've really enjoyed it. You know, it's great because of people who've got that extra bit of knowledge about players and and obviously utilise their time to, to to research and talk about these players all the time. And I appreciate your, your time today. No, no worries. It's been fun. And yeah, you know, I think Everton will be the Colombian Premier League team. So that's pretty exciting as well. You know, I imagine TV numbers will go through the roof and uh, you might flog a few few shirts. And as I say, some of them are going to be knockoffs, but you might you might get a few quid as well uh, coming over here to uh, <laughs> Colombian shirt sales. That's it. Marketing's important. However, we can get it, whether it's real shirts, fake shirts, whatever it might be, we'll, we'll, def- we'll definitely take that. But for everyone who's, who's listening, thanks for listening to, to uh, the podcast today. For those watching, thanks for tuning in to our, our first couple of videos as well. Uh, we're going to be back on the podcast um, next weekend as we do our, our transfer special with friend of the show, Andy McGregor, El Pivote. So we will catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.